You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From a combination of home base and the studios of 1340 The Game, welcome to the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Derek G. This is episode number four of the Locked On Sooners podcast, and I think I can definitely say that for sure. It's Locked On four or three, depending on how you look at things, but either way, we're recording today and we are ready to talk OU football with you, although Bill Biedenboe is not ready to talk about who the starters are at center or, for that matter, any other position in the offensive line, and in segment number one, we will hear from Bill Biedenboe on a couple of things concerning the offensive line, and in segment number two, why he may have actually tipped his hand or OU tipped their hand at least about one guy that's starting. Also in segment number two, we'll talk about Kyler Murray and Bobby Evans, the connection that they have from their time down at Allen, Texas, and why we may not have to worry so much about the OU defense, at least in the first few games of the season. And real quick, going back to segment number one, because I can't believe I left this out. We found out that Charleston Rambo is questionable for the Florida Atlantic game why OU should even bother playing him for that game and maybe the first couple of games and why it may be a bigger concern for Charleston Rambo than it is necessarily for the football team. And then we will wrap things up today. And um, we're going to go off football again in the third segment, which we have done the first few episodes of this game because the podcast is called Locked On Sooners and it's not just about OU football. It's about all things OU football. And growing up as a longtime OU fan, going to school at OU, I honestly can cannot even begin to remember a time where the overall athletic program was in such great shape. And I'm going to tell you something that Joe Castiglione has done in hiring coaches that maybe you haven't thought of as far as the people that he's brought in and why you may never see that necessarily that necessarily see that big name coach come to OU plus we'll hear from Blake Griffin in segment number 3 and Blake will tell you about something that OU has that's better than one particular NBA team so some very cool stuff today on Locked On Sooners if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and maybe this is the first time you're hearing my voice. My name is Eric G. I am a contributor to news contributor contributor. I am a contributor to News Radio 1000 KTOK and 1340 The Game. I co-host the college football pregame show with Randy Renner. It's a 30-minute show that we air on Saturdays, not only on KTOK and 1340 The Game, but it also airs on the ONN, the Oklahoma News Network, and it airs different times throughout the day on stations all around the great state of Oklahoma. You can also get that on the iHeartRadio app, and we're very excited to be launching that coming up this week. I've been covering OU for five years. I am a credential member of the media. Got the credentials in the parking passes yesterday, so that's how I know things start to get real for me and what the grind for football is. But uh, you, the fan, hopefully you're enjoying this. And do me a favor. Give me feedback at these two Twitter accounts, at LockedOnSooners and at G-E-E-H-S-O. You can also email me at LockedOnSooners at gmail.com and tell me what you want more of, what you want less of. Are there certain things you want in the podcast that we haven't worked in yet? 
and I'll do my best to do it. Uh, I know there's a lot of OU podcasts. I try and be as different as I possibly can, but if there's something you really want to hear about, we'll touch on it on Locked On Sooners. Let's jump into today's episode and talk about Bill Biedenboe. Yesterday, I foolishly thought we were going to get the name of the starting center at OU. And I probably foolishly thought that it was going to be Creed Humphrey. Lincoln Riley didn't announce it at his press conference, and yesterday Bill Biedenboe wasn't giving any information about anybody starting on the offensive line. Idea? Yeah. Yeah, of what we're going to do. You know, we've got uh, a few more practices here to totally figure it out, but I've got a pretty good idea right now. I assume you're not going to share that with us. I'm not. I really like you guys a lot, but I'm not. You'll find out Saturday at 11. Fair what enough. Is the, uh, what's the biggest difference right now between the two guys playing center? What, what, do, you, what do you see? It's the same thing. One's, one's probably uh, physically better. One is mentally better, you know, and uh, it's just a matter of them. That, like I said last week, it's, it's not any different than last week. I think we've got two really good options. Um, you know, and, and I think I know what we're going to do right now, but it'll, you know, pan out here in the next couple practices. We've still got some more time. This team does a lot of stuff, a lot of different things, so it's who can go out there and get the offensive line going in the right direction will be the guy that starts. Do you still, at that position, not want to play two guys? No, no, I, not, not unless you're absolutely forced to, you know, but, I mean, it's just snap. One guy's left hand, one guy's right hand. It's just, you know, getting comfortable. We don't go under center a ton, but... You know, when we go under center, obviously it's a different deal. So, yeah, I'm, I, I've never been one to play two centers. Um, they both deserve to play, but it's just it's tough to play two centers. But that one that may be a little bit behind the other, what do they have to do in these next couple of days to probably earn that starting spot? It's just getting everybody on the same page. That's it. I mean, like I said, this this team does a lot of different things bunch of different fronts we're going to see everything now they can't do everything they did the past two years we've looked at them for you know two years but uh you know they're going to do something they're going to do quite a bit of what they do and it's the guy that can get us going the right direction that everybody i feel comfortable with first coach riley feels comfortable with and then the other four guys feel comfortable with he knows and i even asked bill beatenboe yesterday for that guy that may be in second place and is not going to be the starter right now. Is there anything he can do in the next couple of days to impress you? And he left the door open that it could possibly happen, but I have to think that when you have made up your mind or when you've got your mind made up about who the possible replace or who the possible starters are, it's going to be very hard over a 48-hour time period to really impress a coach and say, "Hey, I'm the guy. Because as a coach, you need to be very confident and comfortable with the person that you're sending out there to start the year. It's not to say that that couldn't change throughout time. And we've seen position battles be won and lost due to injury and due to guys just not playing well. And I could possibly see that happening this year with center. But I will also say this much. I was very convinced that it was going to be Creed, that was going to be Creed Humphrey. Like, my and my philosophy, and I will still stick with this. No, he is not as experienced. And as Brandon Drum, who works for 24-7 Sports, and I were talking yesterday after after the media breakout sessions, and actually even before the media breakout sessions, 
I said I told him my opinion. You always go with the younger guy because you can mold him. He's going to be here a while, and the seniors had his shot, and you know pretty much what he's going to give you. And Brandon pointed out, hey, the center's the guy that's got to make all the calls. And in that case, wouldn't you want the more experienced guy handling the offensive line in such a critical year for OU, which every year is critical for OU, and you can have that guy help and mold the one behind him who's going to be here a while, and it's a very valid point. And it's hard to disagree with Brandon's philosophy, but I will still stick to my guns and say, Creed Humphrey, if he is the most talented guy you have, and Bill Biedenboe pointed out the differences between the two, saying one is more physical and one one's the better physical player and the other one just has more experience, well, the better physical player is going to gain experience throughout the year. And I very seriously doubt that there's going to be a situation within the first, let's just say, six games of the year. Or you know what? And, and that's too long. But by halfway through the season, if Creed Humphrey starts, he's going to be seasoned. But I would very seriously doubt in the first four, three, four games of the year that Creed Humphrey would make such a drastic mistake that it would cost OU a game. And even if he did, and let's say it's against UCLA or it's against Baylor or Iowa State in one of the conference games, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee treats OU as close to Alabama as you possibly can, giving them room for error. That not every, uh, I don't know, Texas probably has that room for error if they would ever get good again, but if OU screws up, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee is going to be forgiving of them enough where you run the table, win the Big 12, have one loss on your record as we saw last year, you're going to have the opportunity to go to the college football playoff because the perception is with Oklahoma is at least in the non-con. And this year bears it out. OU doesn't play patsies. OU wants to play as tough a competition as possible. So that gives them the benefit of the doubt, even if the selection committee hates this conference. We also learned yesterday that Charleston Rambo is going to be possibly out for this first game with an injury. And... um Here's my deal on that. Okay, so he's questionable. He's questionable for this for this first game. He's got a lower body injury, and that's all OU's going to tell us about that. But here's what I would say. I don't worry at all about this OU receiving core if Charleston Rambo can't play even in the first couple of games over a year. And, and, and OU has such an embarrassment of riches on offense, period, that you can afford to sit a Charleston Rambo out for a couple of games and let him get healthy. As long as you've got guys like C.D. Lamb, as long as you've got got guys like Grant Calcaterra, I mean, it really doesn't matter that you're putting more pressure on any of the other receivers that you have on this roster. They should more than make up for it. Plus, look for, and we'll talk more about this here in the second segment, look for, at least in the first few games, OU to pound the rock maybe a little bit more than what they have in recent history because you've got such depth at running back and you've got a great offensive line and you've got a great athletic quarterback in Kyler Murray. It also takes a lot of pressure off the defense. And and if there's any concern about this defense, here's the quickest possible way to alleviate pressure. And we're going to get all that. We're going to get into all that coming up in segment number two 
here on Locked On Sooners. And remember, we like to keep this a bite-sized podcast. And I thought our last podcast was a little bit long. So I'm trying not to take up too much of your time. So in the next segment, we talk about that embarrassment of riches at running back. Why we don't have to worry about the defense maybe for the first few games of the year. And a special connection between Bobby Evans and Kyler Murray. And maybe how Bill Biedenboe did tip his hand just a bit with somebody that is starting. It's all right here on Locked On Sooners. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Sooners. Your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Don't forget to follow us at Locked On Sooners on Twitter. That's at Locked On Sooners on Twitter. Also at G-E-E-H-S-O. And give us all the feedback you possibly can. We've also got an email address at LockedOnSooners at Gmail. And any feedback you have, it is more than welcome here at Locked On Sooners as we start to grow this podcast. Also, give me suggestions via social media how I can get the word out a little bit more about this podcast and we can build a bigger audience and build a bigger family the way that we did with the Locked On Thunder podcast. Just uh, let me know. I'm more than willing to suggestions and obviously throughout the season I'm going to want your input and want to hear your questions about OU as uh, they get into the season a little bit more. And this Saturday OU takes on Florida Atlantic. That game will be kicking off at 11 o'clock. Yay! Another 11 o'clock kickoff. Those don't actually bother me as much as they do a whole lot of other people. I love the 11 o'clock kickoff. You can go to the game, you can watch, you can get all the work done that I need to, and then I can usually get home to watch the big game at night. But that's just me, because i got to get up early every morning to take my kids to school. I understand merchants, a lot of fans don't like it, and you would much prefer the 1 o'clock and 6 o'clock kickoff. Regardless of that, OU's going to play, and Bobby Evans is going to start a tackle. Just know that. OU tipped their hand yesterday. If he does it, That'll be the biggest shock other than, for some reason, Austin Kendall running out at quarterback. I don't think you bring a guy into the media breakout session unless you've got a fairly good idea that he's going to start because the last thing you want to do is have the media talk to him, ask him a lot of questions, him give answers, and then all of a sudden he's a dude that's sitting on the sideline, which is exactly why we did not see Jonathan Alvarez or Creed Humphrey yesterday is because they don't want us to know who's starting at center and they don't want us to 
they don't want them, I should say, to be put in a situation where, hey, I answered a lot of questions. It feels like I'm the starter. I'm the guy out front. And then all of a sudden, I'm not. And if you just go on that philosophy that I gave you, then Jonathan Alvarez will be the starter for OU because he's done most of the media sessions. And I don't think, at least at the times that I've been down to OU, I've not had an opportunity to talk to Creed Humphrey. And I assume that's because either one, I assume that's one, Jonathan Alvarez is better in front of the media right now and they haven't groomed Creed Humphrey, but also maybe they are leaning towards Jonathan Alvarez starting. So another reason, another way for me to contradict myself. Either way, Bobby Evans, Kyla Murray, they have a connection. These are two guys that have played at Allen. They played at Allen High School together and it Bobby Evans is real excited about the opportunity to, to get to block for Kyla Murray once again. And here Bobby Evans is talking about his experience with Kyla Murray at Allen and what it was like going to high school with this guy. What's it like to have Kyler back and blocking for Kyler again? Oh, it's fun. You know, it kind of reminds me of the old high school days. Uh, that was that was really fun. But, yes, you know, new team, new year, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like I said, it's fun. Do you sense Kyler's pretty excited for this new role? Yeah, he is because he's been sitting out for a while as well. So I know he's ready to get, the, get back out there on the field. You know, I mean, he's a guy that we saw play as a true freshman, at, you know, major college football. How how hard has it been just, you know, being his friend, just knowing that, you know, he's he's had to sit out two years like this? I mean, I can relate because I also had to sit out because I tore my ACL high school and I registered it. So, like, I can kind of relate to what he had to go through. So, you know. That, that lead to kind of, I don't know, therapy sessions for, for him a little bit? Did you kind of have to keep his head up some? Oh, no, no. He was fine, trust me. He... You know, he just stayed on top of his plays, knew what he was doing, knew all the right reads and stuff like that. So, yeah. What's your earliest memory of Kyler at Allen? Uh, my earliest memory of Kyler at Allen. I remember when he first got there, there was a lot of hypes around him. People were like, oh, yeah, he's this, he's fast, and all that type of stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll see when we get out there and practice. Knowing him like you do, is it you get upset or you just kind of laugh it off when you see national guys say, is his heart really in this because he signed the baseball contract? Oh, I laugh because, I mean, he loves football. I mean, everybody who knows him knows that. And I know it don't matter if he's playing football or baseball, he's going work, to work, work his butt off. The first question asked in yesterday's press conference is, would Kyler Murray be here one or two years? The safe bet is on one year. No matter how much Kyler Murray loves football, baseball is obviously going to be just way more lucrative for him. And it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to continually put your baseball career at risk to play college football. And I don't want to use this, I don't want to use the term get it out of his system because I don't think that that's necessarily what it is for Kyler Murray that he's just going to play this year to get it out of his system and go play Major League Baseball. He truly loves the game of football. And I also believe that for Kyler Murray, as we've heard in so many different press conferences, even talking to him yesterday, talking to Bobby Evans, talking to all his teammates, there's still something to prove after that first year at Texas A&M. You have that great game at South Carolina where it looks like you're going to be a stud, which Kyla Murray did say, and I, I do want to promote this real quick. We have a YouTube channel where there are right now tons of videos from players, coaches, Joe Castiglione, Blake Griffin. We got it all at Locked on Sooners. It's on YouTube. Subscribe and you can get those videos first. But 
it just you talk to all of Kyler Murray's teammates, and it seems very like after that first game at South Carolina, things didn't go so well. He had an opportunity to go to OU, but Lincoln Riley was in on him late. And he just wants to not only get that bad taste out of his mouth, but prove to everyone that he was worth taking the risk on. And I would believe at, after this year, no matter how good or bad it goes for Kyler Murray, that he's off to play for the Oakland A's and pursue baseball, and everybody's going to wish him well. And I would think that a, a father's advice to him would be that, hey, go play baseball. And, and I would think that even Lincoln Riley, even if he felt Kyler Murray had the best opportunity or the best chance to give him an opportunity to win a national championship and get a bonus, he would still tell Kyler Murray, go play baseball because that is where it's going to be for you. Your future is no longer in football and you'll still have a, it'll be the whole thing. You'll still have a family at OU. You will still have had the experience of playing college football, but ultimately there's a time to move on and you can do so. And then there's Spencer Rattler and Austin Kendall to take care of OU. So, Lincoln Riley really doesn't have to worry all that much. Mike Stoops, on the other hand, still has to worry about this defense. And everybody has the same questions about this defense going into this year. Is there ever going to be a situation where OU can shut down more than just a couple of teams a year? Well, how you alleviate the pressure on OU's defense is simply run the ball and can play a controlled ground game. And not that that is in Lincoln Riley's nature. And I don't see Lincoln Riley ever becoming a ground and pound, three yard in a cloud of dust, three yards in a cloud of dust guy. He's still going to want to run an up tempo. He's still going to want to want to put a lot of points on the board. And with that being OU's offense, then the defense has to just make plays. They just flat out do. You, You can't just take all the pressure off the defense. But I would think that in the first few games, With the depth at running back, with as much hype as we have heard about this offensive line, you would want to get out and run the ball as much as possible. And Rodney Anderson echoed those sentiments yesterday at his press conference. Uh, I don't know. I think we're just going to do what we've always done. Whether that's run the ball more or pass the ball more, I don't know. That's all up to Coach Riley. Um, But whatever we do, I'm confident in it, and uh, I think it'll work. Saying something that you probably haven't heard an OU fan say before, and I'm going to say this now, I can't think of a time, I can't honestly think of the last time, probably going back to the first year of Bob Stoops, maybe the last year of John Blake, that I was ever even really concerned about the OU offense, even when Josh Heupel put the clamps down on Trevor Knight, even when Landry Jones was throwing what seemed to be 10 interceptions a game. I never, ever worried about the OU offense because I always felt like the OU offense, even without necessarily great quarterbacks, there were always there was always enough talent at every other position that you could make up for deficiencies. I don't know, maybe that, that 2000 year, towards the end of the season, we saw OU's offense slow down a, a little bit and not put as many points on the board. And But ever since... Like Even that year with, with Trevor Knight, I knew he was going to make mistakes, but I always felt like OU was going to have the opportunity to score. I don't worry about OU's offense. It's the defense that constantly has me in knots. And that's why I would kind of like to see these first few games, OU go a little bit more ground and pound, control that ball a little bit more. And with all the new guys, even with all the hype coming into to, to this OU defense, I would like to see 
then be able to get their sea legs under them before they get into Big 12 play and have to deal with more up-tempo offenses, which are going to stretch them and put them to the test. And if, if OU can just establish something and this defense can build some confidence, then maybe there are big things to take from that. And maybe there are big things on their way for OU's defense as the season goes along. This is the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up in segment number three as we wrap things up, what is the type of coach that Joe Castiglione looks for? I have a philosophy on this. I'll tell you what that is next. And I'll also tell you what OU has. Or actually, you know what? I'm going to let Blake Griffin tell you. Yeah, that's how we're going to start the next segment. I'm going to let Blake Griffin tell you what OU has that's better than one particular NBA team. It's all right here on Locked on Sooners. This is Locked On Sooners, your team every day. For less interruptions in an on-demand world, it is the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Sooners, Locked On Thunder, the two podcasts that I host, and everything else in the Locked On family can be found at LockedOnSports.com. It can be heard on Alexa. It can be heard on Google. It can be heard on Apple iTunes, where you can subscribe and Spotify. So listen and support the Locked On Podcast Network as we get local experts to cover the biggest stories every day. And then I always say me. Like, I never want to downgrade myself and say I'm an expert. But really, I've never lived my career as an insider or an expert. I've always been a talk show host. I've always felt like that role was a little bit... The the definition of that was a little bit different than some of the people that I work for and... I don't know, maybe some of the people that listen to me, but I feel like I I play a different role. But I do my best to bring information and hopefully entertainment to you and do it in a way that you find fun and can consume. And as we get into Locked On Suits, as we get into this podcast, we'll get more... I'm not much of an X's and O's guy, but we're going to get more into that as the season goes along. Because you can't help it. You can't help it. But I'm just, I'm like Bill Beatonbow. I'm anxious to see what OU has and run them out there against Florida Atlantic, who happen to re- be returning five starters on defense, 11 on offense. And I think that this is a hell of a matchup for OU in that first game of the year, despite what Vegas says. I haven't even looked at the spread. I need to look at the spread. I'm sure you already know it by now. This is the Locked On Suitors podcast. Real quick, just going away for fo- from football for a second here for this uh, last segment. So Blake Griffin was back in town this weekend. The Griffin Family Performance Center was christened. It was officially opened, a.k.a. the Blake, or as the kids are calling it, the Griff. And the kids are going to win that battle, but I'm still going to call it the Blake. And Blake Griffin had a tremendous amount of input on what this facility was going to have. And OU not only wanted the best, but they wanted to build this building, as I said yesterday, to a point where when it needed to be expanded or things needed to be done differently or there needed to be an upgrade, you wouldn't have to just go and build another building. But when they looked at the technology, OU's goal is to always maintain now a level of excellence or or excellence, (laughs) as I can talk, um, that is much more ahead of the curve than what you're seeing at other schools. OU doesn't want to ever, OU never wants to be in a situation now as they were in the 90s, like all through the late 80s and 90s, OU OU was behind, way behind, way behind 
on facilities. And that was killing them. Just absolutely destroying them in the, in the recruiting game. And it took a while for OU to realize what needs to be done. Well, now you have a whole bunch of people running this athletic department, namely Joe Castiglione, that never want to be in that position again. So you get a guy like Blake Griffin to come in, look at, look, do his research. You're relying on him for his NBA experience. And Blake even said that what OU has now was better than one NBA team that he worked out with. I mean, for me, mostly it was it was about the functionality, like the, the space having functionality. You know, I think sometimes when you're designing something new, um, right when I got drafted to the Clippers, they, they had this brand new training facility, and it was probably the best in the NBA at the time. But the weight room was just, it had all this brand new equipment. It was very nice, but everything was like kind of in a small space. And, and um, as strength training changes, you know, you don't use all this equipment. You need open space. You need something like this. Um, so you, we weren't able to transform that into something like this. So this design gives us the opportunity in 10 years, you know, when things do change, because they will, to switch it around and be able to add new technology. And that was my biggest thing for this building is, is being able to keep up with the trends and, and, and how everything goes. And I think this space is perfect for it. And with that, I want to jump into this because what OU has done with facilities, and not just in football and basketball, but just about every facility on campus, has made themselves extremely attractive to any coach in the country, in any sport. I don't know why you wouldn't want to come to OU now. You're going to get paid well. You're going to have an opportunity to win. And the university is going to do everything it possibly can to make sure you have all the tools you need to recruit the best players. And if you can't recruit the the best players, they're going to make sure that you have all the tools to develop the kids into the best players for those particular sports. The last two people I can remember leaving OU for better jobs, and maybe you can correct me on this, at G-E-E-H-S-O, is Kelvin Sampson, who left to go to Indiana, and... Was it Sonny Galloway who left to go to Auburn? Because Auburn's baseball facility was just, look, it's immaculate, it's the SEC, and the SEC has much more of an emphasis on baseball than the Big 12 does. But all that being said, I don't ever remember a time in OU's history that the athletic department was in this great a shape facility-wise, cash-wise, success-wise, where you just knew year in, year out, OU was going to have an opportunity to win a national championship at two or three sports every year? I mean, think about that. Women's gymnastics, softball, men's gymnastics are all going to be in line every year to win national championships. Golf looks like it's going that way. Football is always going to be that way. Basketball is a little bit tougher not to crack, and I don't care how good the facilities are in basketball, workout-wise, arena-wise. Basketball simply comes down to, if you want to compete for a national championship, you have to get three Trey Youngs on any given team and you just have to basically decide that you're going to do things the way that Kansas and Kentucky are doing them. Recruit one and done kids, put them into the NBA, keep showing players that you can get kids into the NBA and that's how you're going to do it. Or there's going to be the OU philosophy which is you might get one of them but you're going to build a core and then every three years you're going to make a run. But I mean, either way, I don't think fans are upset at, at anything in the basketball program, but I also look at the, the, the quality of people 
that Joe Castiglione brings in. And the one thing that I've kind of noticed about all the coaches who are on campus now, save for Patty Gasso and save for Sherry Cole, Sherry Cole who built that women's basketball program. When I was going to OU, it was a couple of years before I went to OU that they were talking about eliminating the basketball program. And I don't remember a thing about OU softball prior to Patty Gasso. What I see now, and take those two out of it, even Lincoln Riley, is that you don't have a coach that's necessarily bigger than the program in any of these sports. And the sports that have become the, the sports have become so good, and the reputation of the university is so good that even if these coaches were to leave, you bring somebody in who can just pick up where they left off, and that takes somebody who's going to leave the ego at the door. Now, granted, everybody's going to have some ego because you got to have ego to be successful. But for the for the most part, it's people that can come in take over a program, and just not wreck the car. And sometimes that's tougher to find that person than it is to find the guy who can completely do a reclamation project. It's hard to find that guy that's going to say, hey, this isn't about me. This is about the opportunity that I have in front of myself, and the brand is bigger than me. And very few colleges have that at every single program, but that's the type of coach that Joe Castiglione works for. It's not necessarily ego-less, but what it is, is it's not a me-first kind of ego. It's a, yes, I can do this, but ultimately, they're going to get out and they're going to sell the brand before they're necessarily going to sell themselves or as they're selling themselves, which Lincoln Riley does a phenomenal job of, they're going to be selling the brand through selling themselves. And that's that's the type of person that Joe Castiglione looks for. So I think when Lon Kruger decides to leave basketball or Lincoln Riley decides to jet to the NFL, what you'll probably see is just that same type of people come in that, that, that Joe Castiglione has brought in. It's not going to necessarily come with a lot of flash and in some senses, like I guess Lon Kruger did, come with some question. But ultimately, the end result will be success and probably success beyond what we had expectations for the program at that time of course keep having success like you do then we're all going to expect national championships in every single program that wraps up this episode of locked on sooners i hope you enjoyed it we'll be back tomorrow as we get more into the defensive side of things as ou builds up towards florida atlantic and we talk a little bit more about the owls and who they're bringing back and who might be dangerous for Oklahoma. It's all right here on Locked On Sooners. And until then, God bless you and your family. And as always, Boomer Sooner. You are Locked On Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs>